Hello and welcome to Take Off, the podcast about bad movies with worse takes. I am one of your hosts, Salvatore Stefanelli, and on the line with me is my trolltastic co-host, Denny Carter. Denny, how you doing? Sal, I'm doing well. I am very uh, happy to join you, not only with my new golden microphone, uh, but to talk about what has to be one of the worst films I've ever seen. Period of any, of any genre. I'm not. I'm not just. I'm not just narrowing it down to like horror or whatever. This is. This is uh, for me. What we're about to talk about is a top three worst movie I've ever seen. That's some high high praise. Oh yeah. So I said, let's just get right into it. Um, if everyone is just sitting there on the edge of their seats wondering what movie exactly oh, yeah. it is we're talking about, it is Troll Two, uh, and. Contrary to popular belief, this is not a documentary about Denny's Twitter timeline. Right, yeah. Despite my uh, expert uh, trolling online of of everyone from the president uh, to fantasy football uh, players desperate for advice, um, this is is not about me. Now, let me get this right, Sal. This movie is called Troll 2, not Trolls 2. No, not Trolls 2, not Troll... It's called Troll 2 and has absolutely nothing to do with the original troll film or those um, cute and cuddly trolls animation films. It's it's so it's so perplexing because for so long I knew that this movie had a cult following. Okay, I, I was aware of that. But I assumed that it was this cult following also loved Troll Part 1. <laughs> Which, as you say, doesn't exist. No, Troll, there is a Troll movie. There's just absolutely no connection between these two films. Uh, oops. Right, right, right. right. So if um, for anybody out there listening who's never seen Troll 2, uh, here's a, some quick info about it. Uh, IMDb listed as a comedy fantasy horror, which blended all into one that makes a lot of sense after you see the film. It was released in 1990. Has an IMDb rating of 2.9 out of 10, uh, fantastic Rotten Tomato score of just six percent, mm. and uh, like we mentioned, it's titled Troll 2. But um, not only are there no trolls in the movie, it has absolutely nothing to do with the original Troll film. And a quick uh, synopsis is: Troll 2 is about a family vacationing in a small town that discovers the entire town is inhabited by goblins in disguise as humans who plan to eat them. That's right. And I'm not sure about you, Denny, but reading that makes me want to watch this movie. Yeah, it, it did. It, it made me hungry to watch this. And, and, and I think I think this, this blends in with the season we're in, which is, of course, the Halloween season. Um, there are a lot of really bad Halloween movies we could have done. Um, but I think taking, you know, like a, a left turn here and going with, uh, a horror slash comedy slash what else was it fantasy fantasy <laughs> yeah uh, movie uh, I I really think you could actually put Troll Two on at your Halloween party this weekend and it would play well and people would 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 be into it depending on the level of intoxication I think you could do it um, so I had previously seen this movie years ago Denny this was your first time watching it uh, am I correct there. That's right. I watched it uh, 24 hours ago. So how about we start then and get your initial thoughts uh, upon your first viewing? It, it, I couldn't believe that there's a movie where they apparently spent 92% of their budget on green jello. You know, that, that's, that's, that's one thing. Is the, the prevalence of what, what looks like green jello in this movie uh, is, is astounding. Uh, they, they went all in. It's like I always joked about Rob Zombie movies that, uh, you know, that like half the budget of a, of a $50 million movie would have to just be blood in, in a, a Rob Zombie movie. Like they would have to have literally truckloads of blood backed up to this, to the set because every scene has just oceans of blood in it. This movie has oceans of green stuff. Okay. And, uh, and we'll get into that in a minute, but, um, my, my initial takeaway was that, you know, cause I, I'm trying, I look at, every movie basically from, from a political or cultural uh, standpoint through that kind of lens. And I was telling Sal before the show, 
I couldn't figure out if this movie was a viciously anti-vegetarian propaganda film or if it was a pro-vegetarian propaganda film, which is very confusing. And you might say, if you've never seen this, how could you not know? But but this is this is the confusion of such a bad movie. No, uh, uh, that totally makes sense. It could go either way. Like I was telling Denny, there is this um, explanation from the film's co-writer, and she said that she had come up with the, the story about goblins who were vegetarians because at that point in her life, she had many friends who had become vegetarians, and it really pissed her off. Which, as someone who has dabbled as being both a vegetarian and a vegan, I know many people in my life who have been very upset with me for those lifestyle choices because really? um, it just it, they'd always have like a hard time trying to figure out what to make for dinner or where we should go out to eat because they always want to be like super super accommodating and they're just like, why do you have to be such a like such, an, <laughs> such an asshole with your food choices. Uh, that's funny. I I, uh, I have a vegetarian friend, and um, I I hardly ever consider her. So you know, that's this. <laughs> that's that's just the the privilege of a meat eater, I guess. No, but like one of the for people who have seen the movie, if not spoiler alert, uh, no spoiler alert. Yeah, that's how you speak English. Yeah. There it is. Okay, there we go. Um, one of the things in this film that happens is. The goblins and the the queen goblin, I, that's what her, like, goblin goddess in the film, uh, they turn the humans into plants, and then they eat the plants, like, or turn the humans into plants, and then turn the plants into food that isn't meat. Which, again, there go, like, how can you, if this movie's anti-vegetarian, it's kind of easy to be confused by this anti-vegetarian propaganda, because it's almost promoting the vegetarian lifestyle that that's what i thought you but, know the but the thing that confused me again is you turn humans into plants and then you eat these plants but these plants you're basically eating human flesh and another thing is like at one point in my life i was diagnosed with something they called high uric acid which my doctor explained to me is that because of how much meat I had eaten in my life, the animal fat was still stored in my body. Wow. So, like, even if you turn vegetarian or vegan, unless you were, like, a lifelong vegetarian or vegan, there's still going to be some sort of, like, animal meat inside of you. So right. I just – I don't understand the the thinking of these goblins in um, Nilbog. I I always have to figure out because I always can. I always say either Nilbog or Nilebog, and right. I'm trying to figure out which one is the correct version. So this is that Nilbog is the city where our our family, the family that we are introduced to early on, um, they do an exchange program. Okay, and this is I'm, you know you want to try to go through the movie real quick. Sure, let's do it. Okay, all right. Maybe this will help the listener, especially if the listener has not. Uh, seen this wonderful art film. So um, this this family from the suburbs, right? Uh, they say the city, but it's really, it's not. It's the suburbs. They go to, uh, you know, some sort of uh, farm area, like very, like farm town. Uh, and they, a rural area, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> and and they exchange homes with uh, with a family there. And the family is supposed to leave their farmhouse and go to the suburbs, I guess, to experience that, you know, wondrous place. Um, and and then they start to discover that the, the town is is kind of cultish. Is that is, is that a is that a good word for it? Is that fair? No, I think that's a very fair word. And and weird things start to go down. Uh, help me out here with what happens next. So the the family from the rural town, they're called the Waits. They go Waits. to this town called Nilbog, which according to the Waits' father, as a population of 26 people, mm-hmm. even though as, as soon as they get into the town, it looked like there was about 40 guys just hanging out in the Home Depot waiting for this family to come. Yeah, there and, are hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> and the exchange family going to the, the Waits' hometown, they're called the Presents, as in like Christmas present. I thought that was kind of funny. Oh, okay. And th- I, the reason why there is an exchange 
isn't really said outright. Um, no. From what I was gathering, the Waits' dad just really wanted to, like, just become a farmer, like, go on the farm life and have, like, this quiet, peaceful existence. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. kept talking about how things were back in the day, like, you make things with your hand and, you know, and you'll go out and get your own food and your own sustenance. So I think he was really into basically living that Amish life. Why? Yeah, right. Who knows? It was this movie's made in nineteen ninety. Things didn't seem that bad back then for them. Uh so once the weights are in Nilbog, um weird things start happening. Uh the reason why we kinda under like think that the situation is weird is because the Waits' son, who is the main character of the story, sees his dead grandpa, who is Always warning. warning him about this. Um, Denny called it green jelly. Uh, I called it green goo. It looks like a. Um, I'm not sure if you ever had pistachio pudding, but that's what it reminded me oh. of. And that the if you eat this green goo, this green jelly, it basically turns you into a plant, and then you're going to become eaten by the goblins in town. And the whole premise of the film is the goblins trying to eat the right. Waits family and the Waits yeah. family uh, at the end is figure, figure, figures out what is going on because of the son and the dead grandpa and that's basically the premise of the film is try, goblins trying to turn humans into plants to eat them and the humans trying not to be turned into plants so I mean obviously this plot leaves a lot to be desired but <laughs> Uh, my my one you know issue of like why do we care is is that the first of all they're goblins they're not trolls right okay no one ever calls them trolls they're, they're goblins what what is their end game there is 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 this the only way that they get sustenance that was not made clear um, if, if the only way that they can live, you know, like a vampire needs, you know, human blood to live like, and we know that going in, but it was not clear. It, and it makes me wonder if it was intentionally not clear, but then I'm giving them too much credit, aren't I? I think you're giving them uh way too much yeah. credit. It, it, uh, it was just, it was all over the place. It was just all, they, can I just, can I just say that the five minute workout scene with the daughter um at the start of the movie where you're you're watching her lift weights and do other exercises for five minutes that never comes back into play i don't think i'm just trying to hold in my laughter because of what happens later on in that scene oh, but you're 100 percent oh. correct is that there's so much that happens in this movie that doesn't make any sense whatsoever and is never explained no, it's never explained. So, like in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, there, there, and one in one of them, there is a, a character where they show that this 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 is a young woman working out, uh, uh, punching a boxing bag, uh, uh, doing push-ups, jumping jacks, really like like a, a workout fanatic. And of course, this becomes like the central theme of her character, and it's the way it's the way that she dies. Okay, like it's it's related to. Uh, physical fitness okay so that that's what horror movies usually do is they they like they like create a character with a very specific hobby or interest and then they die that way but this was this this didn't this didn't happen with anything with any any way that they introduced a character it had nothing to do with the rest of the movie and so i think one of the reasons for this um from what i was reading is the co-writers the director basically the whole production crew was of italian descent mm -hmm. and nobody of the crew spoke fluent english and so i the way i kind of pictured it, it was that they wrote this script in italian and it made 100 percent sense to them and then okay. they decided to make this movie in america and so they just ran it through basically a, a 1990 version of google translate where oh it just God. spits out like a broken english version of the script and then they're like okay well now the script is english and in english it, it should make as much sense to the actors as it does to us let's go out and film this so if you have a like a production crew that doesn't speak english and a cast that only speaks english there's going to be communication barriers 
as someone who is of Italian descent, whose parents are Italian, I, this is something that easily happens. There's always yeah. language barriers. Yeah. My yeah. my thing that I just didn't understand is why would anybody agree to be in this movie after reading the script? I mean, I guess if you're really what do they say? If you're a working actor, <laughs> you, you need a paycheck. I guess. I guess you do it. But uh, it, it explains, and I appreciate that explanation because that explains why the acting and dialogue seems so stilted, right? Yeah. It just it, it it seemed like almost like community theater, and, and and you know nothing against all the community theater actors out there, but uh, the the way that the lines were delivered, it was as if these actors had never done it before. You know that that's. That's how bad it was. It was very stiff, and one of the actors had never done it before. I had this later on in our um, fun <laughs> facts section, but the dad was actually a dentist, and this oh was God. his very first film credit. Did you know that Sheriff Truman on Twin Peaks and the original Twin Peaks was not an actor? I did not know that, but that does make more sense now. Yeah, he was not. In fact, when they called him to do Twin Peaks The Return in 2016, he said no, because <laughs> he he had left acting because he was never an actor in the first place. Kind of. I, I, I did not know that. But you're right. It does explain why there are some scenes where you're just cringing because it's so bad. Anyway, on to Troll 2. <laughs> yeah. And so it almost feels like you would take like the writing, the directing, the producing, the special effects you put them all into like separate blenders, take those blenders, put them into one blender and you just put the pieces together for this movie. It's like a jigsaw puzzle that is missing a few pieces that just drives you nuts. Yes, exactly. Uh, one thing we didn't mention about the movie is the way it started is it's, it was basically a, a princess bride ripoff. You right. have a grandpa telling his son a bedtime story. You have a guy at the beginning of the movie, who basically looks like uh, Carrie? Is it Carrie Els? Carrie Ools? And I'm never sure how to pronounce his last name. Sure. The the main character from Princess Bride, except they're just with a bunch of goblins and some green <laughs> green goo. And we find out that unlike the Princess Bride, the grandpa in Troll Two is actually dead in a like a figment of the child's imagination. Yeah, he's like seeing ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so you did mention earlier that you thought this was one of the three worst movies of all time. Can I quote you on that? The three worst movies that I've seen. That you've seen? Okay, that you've seen. Uh, so a lot of um, people do consider Troll 2 to be on the Mount Rushmore of good movies. There's even this book called The Bad Movie Bible that has a still shot of Troll 2 on the cover. And... I kind of think – I do think it's one of the worst movies of all time. I'm not sure if it's one of the best movies of all time. I did find it kind of boring at times. That kind of took me out of it. There, I will say there was a lot of moments in the film I did enjoy for the completely wrong reasons. Right. So I wanted to ask you, Denny, if we were to come up with a Mount Rushmore of good, bad movies, what would be the like, top four, top five options? Uh, that I've seen. So there was, there's a movie, a series of movies called Ghoulies. Are you familiar? I can't say that I am. Okay. Well, that means that we just have to review <laughs> Ghoulies at some point. So, it really, it, it truly we do. So uh, Ghoulies 3, Ghoulies 1 is actually watchable and, and, and it's like a, like a teen horror movie. Ghoulies 2 is actually better than Ghoulies 1. If, if you can believe it, I know you can't. <laughs> Ghoulies 3 though, is so bad and disjointed and and just like crushingly dumb that after I watched it with with my good friend who I watch a lot of horror movies with her name is Marielle Marielle and I watched this movie Ghoulies Three and I and I turned it off and we just kind of sat there for a minute and she said what I was thinking which is I feel bad about wasting. 90 minutes of my life having watched that movie. And that's how I felt about it. It was, it was infuriating that I know when I'm on my deathbed and, and, and I'm thinking back to the times I've wasted in my life, I will think back to Ghoulies 3. So Ghoulies 3 is definitely up there with Troll 2. <laughs> All right, how so about we, you? We got Ghoulies 3, Troll, Troll 2. Troll 2. 
Uh, do you have one? Uh, I have I have a few that would be on my list. Um, do you have? Yeah. First uh, off is the obvious obvious selection of Tommy Wiseau's The Room, which I feel one hundred percent of our listeners has probably seen this movie. I've never seen it. Oh, Danny. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I think okay. Everybody listening to this podcast, we're going to end it right now. So Danny can go watch The Room. (laughs) Sorry, everyone. Come back and we'll do a two-for-one podcast. No, but uh, The Room is probably one of, if not, it might be the best worst movie of all time. At least in my opinion. There's just so much going on with this film. You have someone who decided that he wanted to basically like become the next James Dean. But he is, uh, one, a horrible actor. has a really bad and thick accent and has no idea what he's doing in front or behind the camera because he wrote, produced, directed, and starred in The Room. Uh, It's basically about a guy who uh, his best friend cheats on him and with his girlfriend and he just turns into like a revenge film at some point, but there's just mm-hmm. so much going on with this film. And it's one of the most, I think memed about films yeah. out there. Uh, there was a movie made about it called the disaster artist with Seth Rogen and that crew. Right. If you ever seen that. So that's definitely my top option. Um, I would say there's also this other movie called birdemic shock and terror. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you've heard of this one. But it is about a horde of um, birds that descend into this quiet town in California that just basically wipe out or try to wipe out the entire city. And there's only like two people who had never met before until the beginning of this movie that are left to stop these birds. And the, the reason why I feel this is one of the best, worst movies of all time is the special effects of the birds. It's just absolutely atrocious yeah how so Uh, they just look like like wire puppets on string coming (laughs) (laughs) if you think the acting in troll 2 was wooden wait till you see the acting in birdemic these these birds didn't know how to act is that what you're saying (laughs) no they the the actors didn't know how to act right (laughs) Uh, and then i'll throw one out there it's called Over the Top. I'm sure most people know it as the Sylvester Stallone arm wrestling movie. Oh, wait a, wait a second, Sal. Are you saying that's on your list of worst movies ever? Best worst movies. Best worst movies. Yes. Okay, right, right. I, okay, so I, I kind of misinterpreted, I guess, what what our Mount Rushmore is. Ghoulies 3 was, was, was infuriatingly oh, bad. Oh, okay. No, I'm talking about, like... Bad movies that are no good yeah. in a way. The reason why we have this podcast, right? I, so yeah, because I I was going to mention Battlefield Earth. Oh yes, one. yes. Oh god. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean it's just it's just inexplicable on every level. Um, uh, but yeah, no. The the arm wrestling. What's the arm wrestling movie called? Again? Over over the top. Over the top. He's a truck driver. Yep. Um, he he's trying to like uh, make amends with his son. Who his his estranged son estranged is that right? Son, yep. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, the, the the arm wrestling scenes are legit. I <laughs> I, I love. I actually kind of love that movie. So a good good call. And I know there's many people there that probably want to, would want to put Roadhouse on this list, but just stop it. That's just a good movie. How dare you? How dare anybody do that? I I do. Have we talked about? I mean, I know you know this as a Roadhouse aficionado, but. Have we talked? Have, have we ever talked about the fact that by the end of that movie, Patrick Swayze is a serial killer? Uh, no, we have not talked about this. I, I mean, he, he's he's legit a serial killer, like Hannibal Lecter, and, 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 <laughs> and that's just the people we've seen him kill in Roadhouse. Right. Just think of all the people he's killed outside of the movie. His body count is is unbelievable and he's a just a cold-blooded murderer now listen i would take a bullet for him in that movie okay i i I would do anything for him but we have to we have to come to grips with we love a serial killer in that movie i mean he has a reputation as being known as someone who has ripped people's throats out (laughs) right right can you first of all can you imagine the, the forearm strength that takes i i i'm looking at my forearm right now I believe I would have to work out just my forearms for about 
eight months just to have the just the strength. Forget about knowing how to do it, but just the strength. It's it's admirable, and and of course Patrick Swayze being in in, in incredible shape in that movie. You know, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> I mean, we could easily talk about Roadhouse for another thirty three hundred hours. I'm sure we'll yes. get to it at some point in our podcast series. Yes. Yes. So I say let's pivot back to Troll Two. And one thing I wanted to talk about a little bit was the fact that there are no trolls in this film. Like, I don't get called Trolls 2. Denny, where are the trolls? Where are the goddamn trolls? I wish I could tell you. you At the beginning of the movie, Grandpa Seth calls them cruel, deformed forest dwellers. They're usually referred to either as goblins or monsters. But this movie is not called Goblins 2 or Goblin 2. It's called Troll 2. Yeah, I I was waiting for the word trolls to be used the entire time. All right, so this part I'm kind of ashamed to admit because this was my second viewing of the film. But as we mentioned, the Waits family goes to a little town called Nilbog. And eventually we find out that Nilbog is goblin spelled backwards. Oh man, I, that is an art. That's an artistic flourish, Sal. I I never put the two and two together until uh, little Joshua, the main character in the film, mentioned it. Uh, did you figure it out before it was blatantly told to us? I, I didn't, and honestly, you know that that's that's uh, David Lynchian, you know, <laughs> in, in 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 retrospect. Uh, it did remind me of another iconic um, backwards word scene, which was from The Shining when they have red rum on red the mirror spelled right. murder. So as the horror aficionado between the two of us, which is the more iconic scene? Nilbog is goblin or red rum is murder? Well, I only have one coffee mug with, with one of those words on it, and it's not Nilbog. So I, 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 I have to lean The Shining there. <laughs> All right. Um, so we've talked about how this movie is like either pro or anti-vegetarian. If we listen to the screenwriter of the film, it's a very anti-vegetarian propaganda. I don't think I'm ever going to get over the fact that it's technically considered anti-vegetarian propaganda, even though it, they're eating basically plant-based humans. It's almost like they were the the forerunners of this whole uh, Beyond Meat burger craze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the reason I, I thought for a, a long time during this movie that this was pro-vegetarian propaganda is because the characters, there's a, there's a scene that comes out of nowhere um, that I, I thought was actually could have been like a reasonably decent scene where there are people gathered in what looks to be the town church um, and they are talking about the pitfalls of consuming meat. And I, I think they're talking about the, the, the sickness and disease that meat carries. And you're inserting that into your body when you when you consume the meat. Um, later on, they they talk about the, the preservatives and other, you know, basically every everything that you've ever heard is bad about meat. This movie uh, reiterates that and, and, and drives that home. Right. So I, you know, couldn't help but think, you know, that this, um, it's like, uh, you know, I've heard like Blade Runner is, uh, vegetarian propaganda or, um, uh, or, or not vegetarian, but, uh, vegan, vegan propaganda. Is that, have you ever heard that? Uh, no, I have not heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think, I don't think that that's a theory. I think that's a real, that's a real thing. Uh, of course, listeners will probably check me on this so hard. <laughs> I, I, it's so hard. I'll be unconscious till uh, Christmas, but, um, <clears throat> um, but yeah, so I thought, oh, this is like a, this is like, like clearly, uh, you know, made, I thought for 45 minutes this is clearly made by vegetarians who are trying to, uh, you know, very dumb in a very dumb way, drive the point home that meat is really bad for people. I think this is a good segue into how the film ends, which is this like huge battle royale fight scene between the goblins and the Waits family, where uh, eventually Grandpa Seth, the good old dead Grandpa Seth, comes to save the day. Because at one point he gives little Joshua a backpack where he says, don't open it until like the time is right. 
Mm-hmm. And so we have Joshua basically coming to his doom. The goblins are ready to eat him. Um, the queen goblin goddess is ready to tell all the goblins, get ready. It's almost like supper time. We're going to turn this little boy into a plant and eat him. And then all of a sudden, Joshua opens up the backpack and what what's in the backpack, Danny? Tell the audience what's in there. Oh my God, Sal! I can I can hardly even remember what is in the backpack. A double decker bologna oh. sandwich. Bologna sandwich, yes. It's like double decker. He even he even says it's a double decker bologna sandwich. And by the way, it's not a double decker. It's it's a it's a fifteen decker. There are fifteen pieces of bologna in this thing. It's unbelievable. That sandwich had to be as big as a kid's head. It, it, it was it was truly a, a, a disgusting sight to behold. I, I you know I as I, I mean are, are you are you a bologna apologist, Sal? Uh, when I was a kid, I used to eat bologna. I yeah, loved the bologna. As a kid, sure. Uh, as an adult, it sounds like something I would be force fed <laughs> in prison. You know, and, and so uh, the, seeing this kid. Uh, eat the bologna sandwich to the horror of the goblins and the goblin princess um, was uh, was quite the scene and um, didn't make me nauseous at all. <laughs> and so all of a sudden we have uh, little Joshua holding up this, like, as you said, 15-decker bologna sandwich, like taunting these goblins that he's about to eat it. And they're all just like circled around him. It kind of reminded me of that scene in Wizard of Oz when, um, like, the, the the witches, the evil witch is getting ready to melt and she's trying to save her life. And yeah. you have the queen goblin here saying, like, no, think about the cholesterol. Think about the toxins. <laughs> yes. <laughs> trying, to, trying to get this little kid to not eat its sandwich. And first of all, what little kid has any clue what col- cholesterol is and what toxins in food is? And even if they did... Do you think like a seven or eight year old boy is going to care about that stuff? He just wants to stuff his face with his bologna sandwich. So that part was straight out of like a sketch, you know, like a comedy sketch. Think about the toxins. Think about yeah, and and you're right. No kid would even understand that. But but and that and that brought me back to okay, this is pro vegetarian. This is like very clumsily uh, a vegetarian's way of saying like think about all the terrible things you're doing to your own body by, by eating this, this food. But, but if this writer, if the, if the, if the writer of this movie was sick of vegetarians telling her, it it was a woman, right? (laughs) Telling her how bad it was to eat meat, then making the goblin queen, the person who is going on and on ranting and raving about how bad meat is for you. That makes sense then, you know, to, to make, to to make her the character that's doing that. Like the, the big baddie in the movie is the one who's prattling on and on about the downside of, of, of consuming meat. Yeah, no, I, I can get it from that point of view because there is like this, I guess you can say, you know, stigma or caricature of, you know, vegans who are always like trying to tell people, well, I eat this because it's so good for me and you should eat this because it's so good for you. And if she's been surrounded with like all these people that turn vegetarians and have been like trying to either convince her to go vegetarian or the benefits of vegetarian, I can see how maybe that pissed her off and she decided to like turn it against them in this film. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and honestly, I say I said clumsily, you know, maybe as far as this movie goes, maybe that wasn't as clumsy as I thought it was. <laughs> maybe that's one of the smarter things in the movie. And, and so eventually, um, you know, Joshua eats a sandwich. He gets the rest of his family who'd been fighting off all the other goblins in town to um, come to his aid, saying that the. Only the power of goodness can destroy these monsters and, of course, the threat of cholesterol. And so he eats sandwich. They get rid of the goblins into this portal. Who knows where this portal leads these goblins to? And basically it turns into a happy ending for everybody. Goblins are gone. He eats the bologna sandwich. It's – I I don't – it's inexplicable on on every level. And uh, and again, I think – I, I, if it was pro meat propaganda, then they shouldn't. They should have had a nice juicy burger in that scene. <laughs> I, I don't know. Nineteen ninety, maybe bologna was like the juicy burger of their times. 
Oh man, you're right though. We used to eat bologna like legit. Yeah, like two slices of white bread, bologna, mustard. Like, what else are you gonna have for lunch? I mean, not mustard because it's bad, (laughs) but you know. <laughs> then he, then he, then he's okay with fifteen slices of bologna, but he <laughs> mustard is. I That's it. No mustard. Absolutely. It's too much toxins. Too bad. Yeah. But I mean, it can't be a, a horror movie with a happy ending. And then we find out later the Waits family they're back home <laughs> in their house. Uh, yeah. The mom is like, "Here, let's eat some apples. Apples are good for you." Yeah. Um, again, like you said, if you're basically been on a hunger strike and meat is this big bad thing i'm pretty sure every single person at family would just get straight to the barbecue and grill burgers and hot dogs and just stuff their faces but no she's like let's eat some apples and and she's eating them in a really weird way (laughs) there is a lot of um i'll say create creative um licensing with the way that mother portrayed the character she just seemed like she was out to lunch the whole film right i I, you know she seemed like she was being controlled by some outside force you know that's that's how i sort of (laughs) interpreted it but uh um yeah so so that you 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 go on with the closing scene so joshua goes to his room he thanks grandpa seth who i guess now that the goblins have been defeated Grandpa Seth can go to heaven. Maybe he was in purgatory. I'm not like again. I can't really hard. give the screenwriters that much credit yeah. for this. It's film. hard to say. Right. We're, we're we're struggling to say whether that's the case. And then all of a sudden, you hear a lot of screaming. Joshua runs into the bathroom, and it the goblins had returned and just ate his mother, and she's now just a big pile of green goo. Yes, that's right. That's right. And and. I, that's and that's it. That that's a wrap. That's, that's the movie. Like, that's that's it. And so the the, the green goo. It, what I I, I kind of thought often it looked like green jello to me. <laughs> yeah. Um. But like li- like liquefied almost. You know. And, and it's really gross. But there are many scenes in this movie where people are slathering green shit. Sorry to the kids who are listening. <laughs> But uh, um, most of our audience, obviously, uh, are children. On on everything, they're putting green stuff on uh, corn cobs. They're putting green stuff on sandwiches. They're drinking green juice-looking stuff, right? And without questioning at all, why are we eating this green stuff? Like, what is this? This doesn't look like anything that people normally eat. But we're going to unquestioningly consume it. Um, with, with, with great vigor, you know, and, 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 uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really something, uh, on, on a lot of levels. I know you wanted, you, you had a, a, a part about, about corn that you wanted to, to touch oh. on. Didn't you? <laughs> there's one, one scene in the movie where, um, there's the, the sister of the family, her boyfriend and his friends follow her to Nilbog. And one of the friends is left alone in a tra- like an RV trailer watching this film where all of a sudden like the queen goblin gets into the TV and starts seducing them with a piece of corn. And then while they're – I'm assuming they're having sex, uh, they all are fully clothed in this scene. Um, the corn <laughs> starts just shooting off into popcorn. Right. Right, in a, in a very kind of a was, sexually explicit way. Is it, it was a, a corn porn seduction scene. Right, yeah. And, and, and Sal, knowing that I enjoy an ear of corn once in a while, uh, was wondering if this did anything for me. And the answer is no. <laughs> okay, that's good. I was going to have to end the podcast there. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the answer the answer is definitely... Definitely no. Um, uh, I was I was super weird. In fact, it made popcorn somehow gross, and I like <laughs> popcorn um, because by the end they 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 come back to the couple in the trailer, right? And the whole trailer's filled with popcorn at that point, and they're like they're like crumbs like in the guy's ears and nose and mouth, and he's and I think he actually says no more popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> something oh god what is happening oh, there's a lot of weird um sexual stuff in this film yeah no yeah no there 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 are there are a lot of uh, sexual hang-ups uh um and the 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 goblin queen 
is sometimes hideous and sometimes not hideous. <laughs> and I can't figure out what, like where the transitions come in. It's it again, well, let's not try to figure it out because it wasn't meant to be understood. I think that's probably the best way to, <laughs> to, to talk about this movie is like, you can dissect it all you want, but at the end of the day, nothing really makes sense. Um, I, I, I guess they never made a troll three. I think there there's been attempts to make un, like unofficial sequels, but I don't think. And there's like even if they did make a troll three, I just how can you recapture the magic of troll? You 2? can't. You can't. Which which leads us which leads us to the documentary that was made on it. It, it. And and you've seen this documentary, right? I did the the documentary in question. It's called Best Worst Movie. It was released in 2009. This is how I actually had first found out about Troll 2, is that the actor who played uh, little Joshua in the film made a documentary about his experience making Troll 2 and how that film had become a cult classic. Uh, it did definitely provided a lot of insight into the cult movie world and Basically, like, how do you go about living your life as someone who uh, is recognized for being in what many consider to be one of the best, worst movies of all time or just the worst movie of all time? Uh, So, like, my question to you, Denny, is if you were Joshua and you had grown up uh, having made something like Troll 2, like, how would you go about living your life? Would you just try to cash in on the experience or would you just go into witness relocation? <laughs> um, I'm going to be honest and just say I would totally cash in. <laughs> and, and But you see this with other movies, you know, sequels to uh, slasher films that I uh, have seen many times. You know, stuff like you'll see like uh, a convention for cast members of Halloween 6, you know. <laughs> And that, that's the one with Paul Rudd. Shockingly, Paul Rudd is not in on these conventions. You know, obviously he doesn't need to be. He probably hasn't even talked about the movie in 20 years. Uh, but but the the secondary and tertiary characters are there. And so they're they're cashing in. So I, I, I have to believe uh, that I would do the same thing, especially because I think once you're in that sort of movie, it's probably kind of over for you. Don't you think? Yeah, unless like you somehow are like the Paul Rudd of the film, you're probably either going to not act ever again, or just keep making movies in the same vein as whatever cult film you're in in the first place. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, if you can keep keep it going, that's one thing. But 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 the thing is, like that movie was made. That you know, no one makes a movie thinking this is going to be so shitty it's going to create a cult following. You know, um, like when they made Dune, they weren't like, let's make this this movie so bad that it's going to have a cult following. They were like, we want to really make a good movie. It, it ended up being uh, horrific, and but people love it, love it because it's bad. So um, I, I, actually, I don't know where you stand on Dune, but that's just one that came <laughs> to mind. Uh, uh, I will admit to having never seen Dune. Uh, well, that... You know, it's it's extremely an extremely long drawn out movie, so you probably are better off. I saw it because it was I was like, oh, a David Lynch film, wow, it's the worst thing ever, and he to this day um, still talks bitter bitterly about about the movie. I think he worked on it for four years, and it's it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. In fact, it might it might go on my my Mount Rushmore, honestly. Oh wow, we might have yeah. to do a podcast yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah, that that would be good. I I feel like I would have to really study up because there are absolute freaks out there who n- know just an unbelievable amount about the movie because it's based on on an epic novel. And um, oh yeah, go ahead. We'd have to we'd have to look up. You know, we'd have to really read up on on our stuff and and, and get that together. But I'm not opposed to it. Anyway, getting back to your question, I would cash in. What would you do, Sal? I think in today's generation, it's just way too easy to cash in on that cult film experience. Uh, I, I say I use this um, term in an endearing, lovingly way, but you know, the geek nerd culture, it's kind of taken over with all these comic cons and cult movies and niche genres that there's just so much love these days for 
like even something like Troll 2 back in 1990, that people just love something about it. So I think it would just be like way too easy to just embrace being in that film. I agree. I, I mean, almost everybody is a nerd about something. <laughs> uh, and for anybody out there who's never seen Best Worst Movie and you're like into these, like like the cult culture phenomenon, I would... I would actually highly recommend watching this film because it's a really interesting take from someone who had lived that life and just like how it kind of like shaped his world afterwards. Yeah, I actually do need to see that. I'm not sure. Apparently it's on Amazon Prime for anybody out there. I can't say for certain because Amazon Prime in Canada is different than Amazon Prime in America. But if you're looking for a way to watch this movie without having to pay extra for uh, check out your Amazon Prime. Yeah, I have. Uh, well, I have to check. I have fourteen streaming services. I pay. I pay nine hundred and fourteen dollars a month for these services. I, I'm glad I cut the cord. <laughs> now, and now I pay seven and a half times what I used to pay. Well, I think um, I, I saw you tweeting about uh, watching something on Shutter, right? Yeah, Shutter's five bucks a month, and that that that's that's fine. I actually use that a lot, but there are. I mean. God, there are streaming services I never use, and I pay for them. I don't know why. I, I do think Best Worst Movie is on Shudder. Oh, shut up, really? So, so check it out there. It would make okay. sense with what Shudder. Um, they're like, what, a horror film type yeah. of service? That's right. That's, yeah. you got to get with Shudder, man. Come on. <laughs> um, all right, so I think we've highlighted the a lot of the important aspects of this film so i wanted to go over a few memorable scenes quotes of this film if you will indulge me denny uh, i will i will indulge you so probably what is considered to be the most famous or i guess you would say infamous scene of this film is when the waits family first gets into nilbog and they're at the dinner table and the mom and dad are just like so appreciative and grateful that the family, the presence had left them a like meal at the table, except for the fact that, as you had mentioned earlier, every single piece of food had the green glop on it and whatever they are drinking was green and they didn't think twice about what they're about to eat. It just looked oh so good to them, even though you look at it and it looked like you know, a cinnamon bun with like green icing that yeah. looked absolutely disgusting that even if I hadn't eaten after how long of a road trip it took them, I wouldn't put that in my body, but they're okay. just ready to chow down. The daughter was eating a, a, an ear of corn with the cream stuff slathered all over it. What's wrong with her? And, and of course, Josh, because of dead grandpa Seth is the only one that knows what's going on. And he's trying to convince everybody not to eat this food. And the only way he's able to get the family to not eat any of this food is that he gets up onto his chair, onto the table, starts to pull his pants down. Of course, the scene ends there. We don't see what happens, but it's inferred that he had basically relieved himself all over the food. (laughs) Oh, my God. And Oh, and he was like... But you you actually feel for the kid because he's a really he's like a good natured kid, right? And he's he says something while he's unzipping his pants to pee all over the food. He's saying something like, "I have to do it. I have to do it." And so it's like it's like this this actually like very selfless and brave thing that he has to do. And but it's also disgusting. And it gets him in huge trouble. I, I'm, you know, I was, I was torn. I was torn between being horrified and and kind of admiring the kid. Uh, what's funny about that scene in particular is that that was changed at the last second on filming. Apparently, in the original script, the Joshua, the little boy, he was supposed to jump on the table and just basically like yell and scream that he'd been possessed. Like I'm possessed. I'm possessed. And then when the scene was filmed that way, the um, co-writer director had decided, nope, that didn't work. So he basically told the kid to get up on the table, get on the chair, and just pee on all of this food. Oh, my <laughs> God. I mean, that's that's galaxy brain right there. <laughs> oh, um, And then what I found funny, which I think kind of leads – because you wonder, like, afterwards, why doesn't this family eat anything for the duration of this film? Right. And the dad, he took it as his son was challenging the family to a hunger strike. 
yeah. Oh, <laughs> like he's like, I'm gonna tighten my belt. I'm gonna make an extra hole in it. And like, I thought he was gonna just start beating his son with the belt. And he's like, Do you know why, son? It's because if you don't want this family to eat, we're not gonna eat. It's gonna be all on you. <laughs> Yeah, well, he said he said I've dealt with hunger pains by tightening my belt. Obviously, this is garbage. <laughs> tightening your belt is not is not going to help with the pain of your stomach uh, um, being you know be- begging your 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 body and your brain for food. Like that obviously is not a thing. Um, and yeah, you're right. You thought you were, he was going to take the belt off and hit the kid, but he's like, you want hey. You want to go? You want to go with this hunger strike thing? I can do it. Let me just tighten my belt real quick. Uh, we talked earlier about why the Waits family would want to come to Nilbog and kind of touched upon how the, I guess the dad wanted to go back to a simpler way of life. So probably the reverse of that is the presence wanting to, you know, live that city life, I would guess. And uh, when the two families meet, the the Waits dad is looking at the uh, presence family and he's trying to like hype up their house in the city and he goes well our house has all the major conveniences microwave video refrigerator bar and yeah. just i'm just trying to think like that's the way you describe your house and like you have a bar and a microwave and like a vhs player like what kind of life do you think these people are living is that yeah um the bar threw me off. Is that is that a a staple of of modernity? I, like, I, I I've never lived in a house with a bar. <laughs> so it just maybe it just was funny that he called them all major conveniences. Major conveniences, yes, yes. <laughs> that, that by the way, they uh, clearly a farmhouse cannot have any of those things, including a microwave. <laughs> it, that's that's beyond the pale. Um, so there was uh, a bunch of other stuff I had written down on our show notes, but I feel like we could just keep talking about everything here forever. So uh, there's one last thing I wanted to yeah. say about this film, and then I'll let you give your final thoughts about one scene. I think that kind of encapsulates the whole theme of this film is that no, um, Joshua's sister, she had a boyfriend whose boyfriend was like, had like these four dorky friends and they all followed them to Nilbog. One of these friends is named Arnold, uh, and at this point in the film, he had previously been shot in the chest with a tree branch by one of the goblins with just like like pinpoint accuracy. It's like he was a world renowned archer or something. Right, right. And uh, he's and uh, the queen goblin's lair, who had just um, seen a woman be turned into a plant who's going to be eaten by the goblins, and his reaction to all of this. He says, there must be a logical reason for all of this. I hate to, t- I hate to break it to you, kid. <laughs> I, I, but obviously, this is the thought that we're thinking throughout the movie. Yeah, like every time you think something has happened, you think, well, there has to be a logical reason for this happening. But again, as we've uh, reiterated over and over and over again, there's no explanation for anything in this film. <laughs> No, no, uh, none. I, I don't, I don't even, I can't even wrap my head around some of, some of the parts you, you, you wrote down another, another part here, another memorable scene. If I, if I can just, if I can just cite it real quick. Mm -hmm. So you said there's a scene where the character Elliot, who turns out uh, to be the boyfriend of, of Holly, who is Joshua's sister, breaks into the house uh, scaring Joshua and then creeping in on the on the girlfriend while she was working out then this exchange happen, happens Elliot says I'm the victim of a nocturnal rapture I have to release my lowest instincts with a woman uh, that that by the way that that's Italian translated <laughs> to English yes. you know I, I don't I don't even understand what you know. And then she kicks him directly in the groin. And then Holly, the sister, says, release your instincts in the bathrooms. <laughs> Elliot says, are you nuts? Are you trying to turn me into a homo? I, I, the, the, these, these 
this doesn't even make sense as a derogatory uh, <laughs> no not uh, at all <laughs> uh, term you know and and it, it you know it's terrible obviously this word is terrible and and the implication but i don't i don't under, even understand the implication holly says it, it wouldn't be too hard it was my if my father caught you i'm sorry if my father caught you in here he would cut off your little nuts and eat them <laughs> he can't stand you and then sal they kiss yeah, there's a lot going on with that scene, Denny. So, I mean, I, to to say that my, you know my dad can't stand you, he wants to cut off your genitals and eat them, is really you know it, that's a that's a statement. That's a strong, that's a strong statement. I mean, well, just think. But first off, you have a boyfriend basically breaking into the house of his girlfriend, yeah, creeping her out. Um, you, should, you should be arrested. Like, he's a victim of nocturnal rapture and wants to release his lowest instincts with a woman. Uh, that kind of sounds very uh, date-rapey. Uh, she tells him to basically go into the bathroom to masturbate. Uh, there's a derogatory slur used, and um, he thinks that masturbating in a bathroom would turn him gay. And then there's also the image of Holly's dad eating testicles. <laughs> Uh, I have I mean, honestly no idea uh, what is going on with that with that scene. Is it so? My question, uh, and you know, you you come from an Italian background. Uh, are these things common no. in, in Italian culture? And <laughs> uh, no, and I've never not, not. I will say no. Not in my family has this ever been something it's, that I've had to deal with. It's never it's never come up. So no. so so no one has said, Sal, if you don't cut that out, I'm going to castrate you and eat eat your genitals. I mean, it, and then like you said, they ended they ended by kissing by kissing. And, and and you know maybe so maybe that maybe that exchange in, in Italy is very romantic. I you know who can say, Sal? Who can say? I'm I'm more flustered than than ever. Uh, than I mean. Now. I can't say 100% if there was an editor for this film. If there was and they watched that scene and they weren't thinking to themselves, maybe we should cut this scene out, then I have no idea what their job as an editor is. Oh, my God. I don't know, man. Uh, Troll 2, we don't know what's going on. That, yep. Yep, that's it. Uh, Troll 2, there must be an explanation for all of this. <laughs> that That's that's it. That's, yeah. that's, the, that's the take. Oh, poor Arthur. Who has to get uh, basically whisked away as a plant in a plot, uh, one of those um, plant pods by his friend. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I will now pray every night that that a sequel to this is never made. Um, there is, here's one, one fun fact I had about this film is I went to go look up the IMDb credits of everybody in the film. And the one thing that stood out to me the most was the actor who'd played the father who I mentioned he was a dentist in real life. And if you look at his film credit resume, Troll 2 was his very first film in 1990. He was credited as Michael Waits in two other films. That's the name of his character in Troll 2. One of it, one of which was a film called Under Control with control spelled C-O-N and then the word troll in capital letters. No. Oh so either God. there's there's some like unofficial troll two sequels out there, or someone who just like was a big fan of this movie growing up. Man, Sal, you're blowing my mind with these facts. All right, well, Danny, do you have anything else that you want to mention about Troll Two before we wrap it up? And Man, I wish I... some bologna sandwiches. Yeah. Oh God. Oh God. Um, you know, I wish I did. I wish I had some some epic. A summary of everything that I've learned while talking to you, while reading the notes that you created so helpfully, while watching this movie yesterday. But I don't. I'm I'm just I'm flabbergasted. I'm I'm stunned into uh, confused silence over over this piece of cinema. But I'm also glad I watched it, and I'm glad we got to talk about it. That's, I think that's the, the theme of our podcast. We're glad we watched it. We're glad we talked about it. But we'll probably never watch this movie again. Mm, that's correct. Yes. 
Um, so for our fans listening out there, you can find our podcast on iTunes and it's also on our, um, I'll say it's our website since you've written more articles than I have for the agent cooler. <laughs> you can find this on the agentcooler.home.blog. There's a there podcast section. We've done uh, two other episodes, one about Once Bitten, and the other was The Wraith. Uh, this is our, I guess we can say our Halloween special. So anybody out there that enjoys the haunted holiday of Halloween, I hope you all have yourselves a great Halloween. Uh, you can find Denny on Twitter at uh, cdcarter13, and you can find me on Twitter at uh, 2qbffb, and we promise there is a logical reason for all of this. That's right. 